welcome back to the Israel Connection podcast on the Beth El Podcast Network. I'm Esther Zanati. My guest today is Dr. Larry Weiss. Hi, Larry. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Um, Dr. Larry Weiss is a retired emergency room physician. Um, he recently came back from a month in Israel volunteering um, and helping out as a doctor. Larry, can you tell me about your trip? What What was the reason behind you going there? Well, the reason was basically October the 7th. Uh, I would say for three weeks, neither my wife or I could sleep. In fact, for the first time in my entire life, I had to call my internist for a sleeping pill. We were so upset. Uh, we were haunted by what happened. And then after several weeks, I said to my wife, I have to do something. And she was totally supportive. Uh, all the way through my experience, she was very supportive. And I initially applied through the Israeli Ministry of Health and it was going very slow. And I had one physician friend who had the same experience, saw a video on Instagram, emergency physician who was working with MADA, with the Mogan W. Adam, the National Ambulance Service in Israel. He was having a great experience. So I immediately contacted MADA, you know, by email, and they reacted very quickly. They were very well organized. Within five days, I had a six month emergency license to practice medicine in Israel. And within about three more days, all my travel arrangements were made. And before I knew it, I was on my. That's incredible. That's, that's really quick to get the license and um, get on your way. It's amazing. Um, so from your experience there, what were the things that you have seen you witnessed uh, as a doctor? Because most people that go to visit or even on a solidarity mission, they don't see it from that point of view. It's a totally different point of view. Now, you're right. the experience going as a worker during a very difficult time. It's totally different than being a tourist. In fact, I had been to Israel three times. My impression was that everyone spoke English. But I was on a, I was an ambulance called a mobile intensive care unit, often staffed by a physician. During the war, they needed people to come from overseas to fill these vacancies. So I was working in the sector with a national writer, but I was on one of these mobile intensive care units. So the people we saw were very sick. And I soon realized that almost no one I was interacting with could speak English. We were going into working class neighborhoods, not tourist destinations. In Jerusalem, I was often in Haredi neighborhoods. We went into Arab neighborhoods because many of our patients were Arab. And quite a few of the people worked with in Mada, David Adam, were Arab. And 
they mainly spoke Arabic. So I would say over 80% of them interacted with spoke little or no English. Uh, the other thing that was unique but unfortunate is the fact that October 7th profoundly changed the uh, difficult to deal with um, the, the shock. I mean, they were still in shock three, four months later. Uh, they were horrified by what happened. They were angry. Uh, they were certainly angry at Hamas. They were angry at Palestinian leadership. You know, we would listen to the news there and Ahmoud Abbas denied that anything happened. And on the next day, he said that October 7th was a great victory. So it was all very difficult to handle. And the Israeli people feel that they're alone. Uh, they were grateful. I don't want to get into politics, but they were grateful at how supportive President Biden was. But there was a general feeling that it wouldn't last too long. Uh, they just felt that the world would line up against them. They were really angry at what happened to Israeli women and the infant and that no one seemed to care. Yeah. Uh, the anger at the United Nations, very raw and open. And the fact that I came from another country, a friendly country, but the fact that I was there, the people were just um, so warm. And there was such gratitude that um, at times I felt it was overwhelming. Uh, just the warmth that I felt. I always tried to speak Hebrew and my Hebrew is not that good. And as soon as the patients and their families would hear me struggling with Hebrew, like right away would, they would ask the paramedics, who is this guy? Like, why is he here? Where did he come from? And then they would invariably break a broad smile. The women would hug me. The men would slap me on the back and shake my hand. And I went into one nursing home in Yavna to pick up a, a very sick patient. And the manager of the nursing home started the same conversation, wanted to know who I was. And then he said, Ata Achi, you are my brother. And that, that's a lifelong memory. It, it still brings tears to my eyes when I remember what he said. Um, and it was just, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. That's wonderful. It's, that's really good to hear. And, you know, as, as an Israeli, it just makes me feel good that people like you go there and devote their time to help and take care of our people and do all those things that you don't have to do, but you want to. This is, and, and you know, the fact that it had such an impact on you. It's it's wonderful. Um, did you get to see any of the people that were injured during the October 7th attack? Did you get to talk to them um, or, you know, take care of them in the hospital? No. Um, I was working in these mobile intensive care units, which is part of the ambulance service. I didn't work in the hospital. I did not treat any victims of October 7th. By the time I started working, it was December 
tent. Um, I mainly worked in the Merkaz, the area between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, very heavily populated, very busy. Worked a little more than a week in Jerusalem, but they sent me for one day to Sderot on the Gaza border. And I was there for a 16 hour shift. And every two minutes for 16 hours, we heard an explosion. So we were very close. The town of Sterot was still largely evacuated. There were some people who came back and I was able to talk to them. And I talked to three paramedics who were in the Mada station on October 7th and they were all armed, ready to defend themselves. But for some reason, the Hamas terrorists not come into the station. There's an iron gate around the property and the paramedics told me they were operating quickly. I guess they knew they only had so much time to kill people until the army responded. So they didn't bother trying to break in, but um, they were running through Sderot with machine guns. You know, I saw the exploded sides of apartment buildings. Um, and I did talk to some of the people that came back. Um, and they said October the 7th was just horrifying. Hamas terrorists were swarming everywhere with machine guns, throwing grenades. Um, and there was no one there to defend the people initially. So it was yeah, pretty fresh. It took many hours for them to come and actually start helping them out. Um, was there a specific encounter that you had while you were there that you will take with you for the rest of your life? Something that was very, very meaningful aside from the other, you know, the rest of the stuff that you were doing uh, during your entire stay. Uh, I'll quickly tell you about my very first and my last case of the month. And then I'll briefly talk about one other case. Okay. My very first case, one or two minutes after seven o'clock in the morning on day one, we get a phone call of a 39-year-old man who collapsed at a, at a playground. This is in Jerusalem, in West Jerusalem. He took his children there and he collapsed. And when we called him, he wasn't breathing. And he was in very bad shape. He was very overweight. And he had a cardiac arrest. So we started CPR right away. We intubated him on the sidewalk, shocked him, gave him cardioactive drugs, got a pulse back, took him to Sherazedek, where he got stabilized. And the technology there is just as good as any hospital in the US. I was very impressed. They took him to the cardiac cath lab. He got a stent. And, you know, in Israel, the health services are all national. And if you take care of someone, you have access to their electronic record. So the paramedics I was with followed him and he survived. It just, it shows you the capability of Mugen David Adam. I thought their people were uniformly, very well-trained, highly motivated, highly capable. Um, I've been donating to them for more than 30 years. I think anyone listening to this who wants to make a meaningful donation to help the people of Israel, the people heavily rely on, on MADA, on the Mugen yeah. David yeah. They do a great job. My very last case, 
I spent the first few days of the month in Jerusalem and the last two days. My very last case was a young woman who gave birth in the back of our ambulance to a beautiful baby girl. It was just the perfect way to end the whole month. Um, you know, bringing a life into the world. Um, it sort of reinforced in my mind that, that our people have a strong future in our homeland. And I've always strongly associated with Israel, but I guess being there when the people are very distressed, I just very strongly felt that I was with our people in our homeland. I love living in the US, but Israel I felt was my homeland. And when I drove back to Ben Gurion Airport, I mean, I was there a month, but I felt really bad. I didn't really want to, I wanted to get home and see my yeah. wife. I didn't want to leave because I felt, you know, I was leaving all these wonderful people behind and they're in a precarious situation surrounded by, you know, now very strong enemies. Yep, that's true. Um, if, if there are any other doctors out there that think about going there to help or, are, you know, are not sure, what would you tell them? I would tell them, um, if they have a background anywhere similar to mine, or maybe in critical care medicine, my training was in emergency medicine, um, MADA needs people. The hospitals seem very well staffed. I think initially I applied to work in an emergency department. The hospitals are very well staffed. There are some needs, but they're limited. It's easy to search the Israeli um, Ministry of Health, the Misrad Habriyut. It's also easy to search MADA, the Mogan David Adam. You can connect online easily. Um, you can see where the needs are. You know, there's one other thing that I want to let people know about. I actually picked up a woman from Ramallah, the cap capital of the Palestinian Authority. Yes. We went to the Kalandia checkpoint. There's only one hill between Kalandia and Ramallah. And there was a woman who sustained gunshot wounds to the head and neck. The man she was driving with was murdered wow they were they were arab israelis from east jerusalem and they went to visit friends in ramallah and because their car had an israeli license plate they were murdered by palestinian terrorists who were caught um but it just shows the random nature of terrorism they had no idea who they were shooting at and they saw israeli license plates and they murdered the man right away. The woman, unfortunately, she eventually died, but she was stabilized in a small hospital in Ramallah. And they brought her to the Kalandia checkpoint because I guess they lacked the capabilities to fully take care of her. And then we stabilized her in our mobile ICU and took her to Hadassah Ein Karim. But on a daily basis, Israeli hospitals are fully available 
to anyone who calls from the Palestinian Authority areas. And before October 7th, they were taking many patients every day from Gaza. And you know, before Esther, you mentioned how small Israel is. I think just about everyone I talked to either knew someone who was killed or taken hostage, or they within they were within one or two degrees of separation. In other words, they had a friend who knew someone who was killed or taken hostage. And so most people in Israel are directly affected by all the murders and by the hostages. It, it's like Israeli society is a relatively small family and they yeah. feel almost everyone feels like they were directly or at least indirectly impacted by the horrible events of October 7th. Yes, that's true. And it's something that we talked about um, in the previous podcast with Rabbi Schwartz and Rabbi Sorokin, um, how everyone is connected. Uh, and growing up in Israel myself, I, you know, we, we all know everybody always. Whenever when someone dies in you know in war, previously in the past or now, we we all know people that are connected to one another, and um, yeah, it's a it's a small it's a small big family. And I'm I'm proud to be a member of Bethel and the fact that Bethel sent a solidarity mission, um, because I know I know how well they must have been accepted, and. I'm sure the mission was deeply appreciated by everyone who met, you know, the Bethel participants. So it's a great thing that our synagogue did. Yes, it is. And they said they were very well received by everybody and people thank them uh, for being there and supporting them. So it's great. I mean, it's, it's great. And I'm glad to see that there are more people who do that, um, who go there and volunteer and hear stories and, bear witness to everything that happened. Um, well, Larry, thank you so much for being here today and talking to me and telling everybody about your story. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Israel Connection. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.